0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. The good news in this city, and really around the world, Jacob is just back from uh, San Diego at a conference this uh, past uh, week, and he was swamped by people at this conference who said, I listen to the podcast, I know all about Calvary St. George's, and it really encourages me. So we have this commission far beyond the bounds of just this city. So this Sunday, we're continuing this sermon series, this stewardship series. We're in the second chapter of Philippians, which we just heard read, and St. Paul's talking about joy. And we're talking about how the experience of joy um, should be, is a mark of our life together here at Calvary St. George's. And St. Paul says that we can find this joy and have it, and this is his words, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in one accord. So the pledges that you and I are asked to make for the ministry this coming year are all about enabling a community that's got joy spilling over because we're of one mind and share the same love. Well, so I know by first-hand experience that joy is very real here at Calvary St. George's. But I also know that joy is not something that you and I can manufacture on our own. And I know that because I also know that it takes something beyond our own native ability to be of one accord. And in fact, if we're left on our own devices rather than being of one accord, the bent of our unredeemed natures is to be of many different accords. And this book that I'm holding right here explains why. Now, this was one of my favorite childhood books, and it is also a book that has driven generations of young readers into years of therapy later on. The title of this book is The Little Engine That Could. (laughs) Let me just ask you, if you read this book as a child, please raise your hand. Wow. Well, I won't ask you how your therapy is going, but. uh. (laughs) As you know, the story concerns a little engine. um, It's trying to pull a train full of toys up over a mountain. The train's really heavy. The engine is struggling. And so as the train is going up, the little engine says over and over again, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And finally, the little engine gets to the top, and the train of toys makes it to all the girls and boys. And the book implies that's how you get real joy, by saying, I think I can, I think I can, over and over again. Well, at first glance... The gospel that Nancy just read for us seems to be praising this little engine. The gospel seems to be saying, be persistent. Hang in there. Keep trying. Don't give up. If you had just put your shoulder to the wheel, give it all you got, you can make it and be one of of one accord and have real joy. As we just heard in this parable, there's a judge and a widow, and the widow goes to the judge and asks for some justice against someone that has wronged her, and the judge says no. But over and over, the widow, standing outside the courtroom, is saying to herself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, and she keeps bugging the judge until finally the judge is so worn out by the persistence of the widow that he gives her what she wants. And Jesus says this parable is all about our need to pray always and to not lose heart. Now, i got to tell you, I'm all for persistence in prayer, and especially when we're having a pledge drive. Um, <laughs> we're focusing on getting as many pledges as we can this coming year. Jacob has made this audacious goal of praying that we get 200 pledges. Um, I think we can. I think we can. I think we can. (laughs) But there is also, as the expression goes, an elephant in the room. Because as soon as I encourage all of you to persevere in prayer, what comes to my mind are some images of people who have prayed with fervor and passion and persistence. And what they've prayed for hasn't happened. And I'm not referring here to prayers for things like uh, winning the lottery. Although, if you do, I'll remind you about tithing to the Calvary St. George's. But what I'm referring to are the good and appropriate prayers. Prayers that are prayed by deeply faithful and godly women and men. I mean, I'm thinking, for instance, of a middle-aged woman who's a friend of mine. She lives up in Massachusetts, um, a, a really strong Christian, and she said to me recently, I am sick and tired of waiting. I have been patient and faithful all my life as I have been praying for a partner, a companion, and I am so lonely. I'm thinking, for instance, of our prayers for Democrats and Republicans down in Washington to work together. I'm thinking about our prayers for the folk in the Bahamas and Japan and elsewhere to finally get a break from the weather. I'm thinking about our prayers for the schools and the colleges to be safe havens for the students. I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about me when we cry out and there's no answer. So in order not to do an end run around this elephant, this parable, this question, let's look at the person who tells it. For three long years in his public ministry, Jesus was preaching and teaching and praying about a world in which our prayers would be answered, a world in which the kingdom of God would truly be on earth as it is in heaven. And at the end of the three years, the result was, Of all of that persistence was one solitary, haunting cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let me tell you about one special person who wrestled with that solitary, haunting cry. His name was the Reverend William Sloan Coffin, and he was the pastor of the Riverside Church back in the 1980s. In 1983, Coffin's 24-year-old son died when his car went through the guardrail and plunged into the harbor in Boston. And a week later, Coffin gave a sermon about his son Alex and Alex's death. And Coffin talked about what to do when persistence in prayer doesn't seem to work, when answers to prayer, like your son staying alive, doesn't happen. Let me quote to you what Coffin said in his sermon. He said, While the words of the Bible are true, grief renders them unreal. The reality of grief is the absence of God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's why immediately after such a tragedy, people must come to your rescue. People who only want to hold your hand, not to quote anybody or even say anything. People who simply bring food and flowers, the basics of beauty and life. People who sign letters simply, your broken-hearted sister. So that's the first thing of two things that you and I can say about the God we've come to worship here this morning. The first is that our God is no disembodied force out there in the cosmos. Our God became a flesh and blood person in order to be with us in the very midst of our aching, persistent, seemingly unanswered prayers. Coffin said in his sermon, When the water closed over the sinking car, God's heart was the first of all of ours to break. We have a God who understands and identifies and shares with our aching, persistent, seemingly unanswered prayers. We have a God who knows all about the pain that comes when we say with gritted teeth, I think I can, over and over, and it doesn't happen. The cross on which Jesus died is all about his entering into the deepest pains and sins and failures of our lives to stand beside us, and to offer forgiveness and love just as we are. Which leads us then to the second of these two things that we may say about the God we've come to worship this morning. Because you and I live on this side of the cross, we understand that the haunting cry of Good Friday is not the last word. So that in the very midst of our aching, persistent, seemingly unanswered prayers, we are invited to see the risen Jesus standing beside us, radiant, alive, and reaching out. Which is why William Sloan Coffin was able to end his sermon with joy in the very midst of his grief. Coffin ended his sermon with these words, And finally I know that when Alex beat me to the grave, the finish line was not the Boston Harbor in the middle of the night. If a week ago, last Monday, a lamp went out, it was because for him the dawn had come. So I shall, so let us all, seek consolation in that love which never dies and find peace in the dazzling grace that always is. In the upside-down economy of God's grace, it turns out that the champion Of persistence is the persistence of Jesus it's the persistence of Jesus that took him to the cross so that we might know ourselves forgiven it's the persistence of Jesus that took him to the empty tomb so that we might know that death is not the last word it's the persistence of Jesus that sent God's Spirit to Calvary St. George's Church on October 20th 2019 so that we may know the joy that we cannot manufacture on our own. It's the persistence of Jesus that allows us to be of one accord and to share the same love. I began this sermon with one book, and I want to end it with another. It's this book I'm holding right here. It's written by a fellow named Francis Thompson, and it's titled The Hound of Heaven. And this book is a description of Jesus pursuing Francis Thompson, the author, with unending persistence in order to love him while Francis Thompson is trying to run away. The author begins by saying, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled from those strong feet that followed after. And the story ends with the author finally surrendering to the hound of heaven, to the persistent, unrelenting, single-minded love of Jesus. That's the good news that undergirds everything else that you and I do here at Calvary St. George's, the persistent love of Jesus that will not let us go. You and I are encouraged to make a financial pledge to support this church so that we can tell the world that the teeth-gritting groan, I think I can, is being transformed. It's being transformed into the joyful declaration that we're of the same mind and share the same love because we know whose we are. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorgesorg giving. Thank you.